Now, guys, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of, well, the letter of Colossians. Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossian church. And it is found in the New Testament. You just go beyond the Gospels, get up to uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, and we're in chapter 1. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 24 and 29. Now, we've entitled this series that we're doing, Our Life with Christ. And here's what I have found. I have found that for a lot of Christians, they don't really understand the life, or should I say, the relationship with Jesus that they have. Oh, they understand that they're forgiven. They understand that they came to Christ and they were forgiven. And they understand that they're going to go to be with him later on when they either go in death, as all will, unless Jesus comes back for us. But the in-between part about the life right now, most believers, I'm sad to say, and I've been there at one time in my life, really don't have a clue as far as what it means to have a Christian life. In fact, the sad thing is, is when you talk about Christianity today in, in our country, most people see it as, well, yeah, it's a religion, but they see it as a system of morals. Do you understand what I mean by that? It's a system of do's and don'ts. And it's a system of do's and don'ts that you want to impose on other people. And if you talk to folks, that's really where a lot of them think it is. Well, you know, it's do's. I go to church. I, I don't go to these other places. But that's it. It's a set of beliefs. It's actually more than a belief. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with a living God. It's a relationship with Jesus. And to understand that it's more than that, you just need to look at the Apostle Paul's life. Because he really paid a price to tell people about it. When, when you look at his life and throughout his letters, he gives us evidences of the price that he paid. What kind of price? Stoned, left for dead, beaten, scourged, mocked, persecuted wherever he went. Now, why would anybody do that? I mean, how many of you want to go to work and say, okay, everybody beat up on me today? Nobody does that. Nobody wants to be a target for rejection, right? Well, why did he do that? It's not that he was wearing a shirt saying, persecute me. He basically was communicating a message that nobody wanted that nobody understood. Now, what was that message? A system of morals? No, it wasn't a system of morals. It was a person. It was Jesus. And that he's alive. And that you can have a meaningful relationship with him. In fact, what he had to communicate it's something that he refers to as the mystery. Now, I don't want you to think in terms of mystery like you and I would do. What do you mean? Well, you know, for instance, I like watching, you know, I've, I've been watching a lot of British mystery, you know, Agatha Christie type things. And we think that's the mystery, you know, where, 
You try to figure out who killed who or who did what or whatever. That's not the mystery he's talking about. Here he's talking about a mystery of something that wasn't revealed that will be revealed later. It's a truth that was hidden. And he was willing to pay the price for that. So let's look at what he says, and we're going to see what that means for you and I. So let's look here together. I want you to notice with me Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to 29. It'll be up on your screen. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to us. He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my flesh, fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. For the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. All right, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide this section really into two parts. We're going to talk about a willingness. There was a willingness on Paul's part to communicate something. And we're going to see what he was willing to go through. And then we're going to talk about the mystery, the stewardship of the mystery. So let's look at the willingness issue. We see it in verses 24 and 25. When you listen to what he's saying here, really, to be honest with you, it's almost odd. What do you mean? If you talk about most Christians today, this is not the attitude that we want to express. Look at what he says here, verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings. All right, let's stop for a moment. How many of you want to do that? How many of you want to say, oh, yeah, I just had a bad week. Wow, that was good. No, we're not like that. Why is he willing to, first of all, just so you know, he didn't enjoy it either. But he had a bigger perspective. He had a bigger perspective as to why he had to went to go through it. Listen to what he says. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in you, which is what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. There are two things I want you to see there. He understood that there is a price to be paid. He understood that there was a price to be paid. Okay, so stop for a moment. All of us here have a loved one who doesn't know Jesus. I don't need you to affirm that. I already know that. 
Not everyone in your life knows Jesus. All of us here have someone. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Somebody you know doesn't know Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to pay the price? Whatever that might be. For that person to come to know Christ. Now, don't answer that right now, but I want you to think about it. We, we don't think that way. We, we think, oh, well, they're all going to be okay. They're all going to be okay. No, they're not going to all be okay. And I think that's what's missing today in the church is an understanding that most people aren't okay. And are you willing to pay the price? Now, here's the thing. Paul was willing to pay the price for who? You and I. The church. For the believers that he was ministering to at that time. He was willing to do whatever for their sake. He would go the extra mile for them. I, I hate to say it, but I'm selfish. And for me, sometimes the reality is, I don't know if I want to make myself uncomfortable. Yeah, I would do it for my kids, and I would do it for Lori, but for you? Well, it depends what day of the week it is, right? That, that's where we're at. But Paul it was willing to do what, and so he endured for the sake of the church. Why? Okay, here's what he was saying. Hardship, rejection, and suffering are necessary for the sake of others. I think we all know that, right? Hey, let me ask you a question. Think about your relationships. Think about the relationships that are most meaningful to you. Now, as you think about them, I want you to ask yourself this question. Are they pain-free? Is there such thing as a meaningful relationship in life that is pain-free? And I'm going to tell you right now, that doesn't exist. All relationships, especially if they are meaningful, have an element of pain to them. Why? Because we're human beings. And as human beings, we're going to disappoint. As human beings, we're going to sin. As human beings, we're going to do wrong. Is that not true? And so when you think about meaningful relationships, we should already know that there's going to be a price to be paid to be in a relationship. Now, let's take it to the realm of the spiritual where we are as believers. Especially when you think about those whom you love who don't know Jesus. It's not going to be easy. And there's got to be a price to be paid. And so part of that is rejection, hardship, suffering. In fact, I'll be honest with you, that's really what's missing from a lot of our, the, our personal theologies. Each one has a personal theology. Is that we've, we've lost a theology of suffering where Jesus told us in every really, in every book of the New Testament, you're going to hurt. It's not going to be easy. And especially for the sake of others, and that's what Paul's getting to here. Listen, listen to what he says here in verse 25. He says, of, 
of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. He became a minister and a steward of whatever it took for others to go, and he just told you in verse 24, afflictions, suffering. Now, you say, okay, George, that's a pretty interesting way to start out the message today. I'm going to have to pay a price. I'm going to have to suffer. Why? Because the message is simple. Why? Well, he tells you why. That's where we get to the stewardship. Okay? That's where we get to the stewardship. Here it is. Look at verse 26. We're going to talk about the stewardship. First thing is, he says this, verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages, from generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. There was a responsibility to communicate a truth that was hidden before. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. A typical gospel presentation these days is come to Jesus, pray this prayer, and you'll have forgiveness of sins, and you will go to heaven. Well, can I be honest with you? Most people aren't listening to that for two reasons. Can I tell you why? Number one, most people don't think that they're doing anything bad. So why do they need forgiven? If they think of something they need forgiven, it's an isolated thing in their life. It's not an everyday thing. So they don't necessarily see that they need to be forgiven. Number two, most people aren't thinking about dying. Most people think they've got a whole life ahead of them. Most people think they're all spring chickens. They're all got lots of years ahead of them. Do you know what I'm saying? And so the whole concept, well, you know, I've got time. I can deal with that Jesus thing later. In fact, I've had people tell me that. I don't need to worry about that right now. I'll take care of that later. You ever had somebody tell you that? See, the problem is, is that it's not their concept. First of all, they can't see it. It's number two, we're not communicating the right thing to them. Because salvation, to be honest with you, is more than just the forgiveness issue. It's more than just where you go later on. It's a truth that was hidden long before. But now is revealed to us. We'll talk about what it is in a moment. So you and I have a responsibility to communicate a truth to people. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's more than just forgiveness and more than just heaven later on. Here's what else he says. This, this truth is now being revealed to all believers. This truth is now being revealed to all believers. Now, remember I just said to you, it's more than just heaven later on and more than just forgiveness right now. You say, yeah, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I think you are. Let me give you a concept here to think about. All right? Why don't you listen to me? <clears throat> First of all, for those of you who have a perfect life with no problems, you're not going to understand what I'm going to say. 
But for the rest of you who do have difficulties, who do have struggles, who do have things that you go through, what gets you through them? Is it, well, I'm going to make it through this problem because I know I'm forgiven. You're not even worried about forgiveness when you're going through a problem, are you? Well, I'm going to make it through this problem because I know when I'm dead, I'll go to be with Jesus. No, you just want to, you're not wanting to die yet. You're just wanting to get through the problem. What gets you through the issue is God. And knowing that he's with you, right? And that he's giving you strength and wisdom and everything else that you need to get through the problem. In fact, you're going to him and asking him to what? Take it away. So right there, in and of itself, with that, you understand that there's something more to Christianity than just being forgiven and going to heaven later on. Do you understand what I'm saying? You understand that it's something so much more, and it's being revealed to everyone who is a believer. What is that? The relationship with Jesus. That's what it is. The relationship. That's what he's communicating here for you and I. So he goes on here. Look with me at verse 27. Look at what he says here. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I think this is a powerful verse. Two reasons. Number one, first of all, let's stop for a moment. You know, I, I have a problem with prosperity theologians who, who tell you that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. So what they do is they go to the passage and they'll say, well, God wants you to experience the riches. That's it. He wants you to have a bigger bank account. I think they're missing it. That's not reality. But he wants you to experience a different type of riches. What do you mean? Okay. All right. So we just went through the Christmas season, right? We just went through the Christmas season. We just went through Thanksgiving. How many of you, when you were there with your family, maybe your family all came in, maybe they were there for the dinner or whatever, and, and you just had this thought, I'm a rich man. I'm a rich man because of my family. I have riches because of the closeness of my family. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's a type of riches. Now, can you go to the bank with that? Can I go to Walmart and say, well, you know, I got my family. Let me buy something here. No, that, that, that's, that's not going to add to your bank account, is it? But there's a different type of riches here. That's what he's talking about. A richness of the mystery. And here's the thing. God wants you to know it. 
See, that's the point I want to make here, is that God wanted you to understand this mystery. He wants you to understand that there is something so much more to your life as a believer in Jesus Christ than simply knowing that you're forgiven and knowing that you're going to go be with him later on. There's something so much more for your life. And it's rich. So here's what it is. The mystery is Jesus in you, which is the hope of future glory. That's what he's saying here. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Can I be honest with you? Here's what it is. It's when you came to Jesus, yes, you were forgiven. Yes, you have a place that you're going to later on. But here's what it is. Ultimately, it's Jesus is with you forever. You don't have to have anxiety in this relationship. Do you understand relational anxiety when you're separated from someone? Oh, I want to be with them. I can't be near them. I wonder how they're doing. You don't ever have to worry about that with God. Why? Because when you come to Jesus... This is the mystery. Christ is in you. Jesus is right there with you through the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that is the hope that we have. The hope that we have is the blessing of the glory that will be ours because we have this relationship, this inheritance that belongs to us in Christ. That's the reality here. Do you understand? It's the relationship. And I'll be honest with you, most Christians don't even understand that. How do you know that, George? Remember very clearly years ago, it's been lots of years ago, somebody whose family went through a difficult circumstance and I went over there as a pastor to talk with them. First thing out of their mouth when I walked through the door is, why is God doing this to us? That's a natural reaction. That's a natural human reaction. But here's what it revealed. They didn't understand the relationship that they now have with God. And that, yes, you're going through a difficult circumstance. Yes, it's not going right. But guess what? He's still there with you. He still loves you. And he grieves with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? To me, the most powerful verse of Scripture is actually what they call the shortest verse of Scripture. It's in the Gospel of John. It's at, at Lazarus and the raising of Lazarus. And it says, where have they laid him? And then it says just, and Jesus wept. Now, first of all, that, that's really intriguing. Why, why is Jesus weeping? Because in a few few minutes he's going to say Lazarus come out of the grave and he's going to be alive why is he crying because he identifies with our pain he identifies with the hurt that we go through he identifies with our loneliness he identifies with our struggles he identifies with us and the mystery that was revealed because look when you read the old testament I'm going through the old testament in Sunday school as a survey I'm going to be honest with you 
You don't see that in the Old Testament. Yes, you see God interacting with his people, but you don't see that relationship. But now you do. Why? Because Jesus came and died for us, died for you. And he gave you a new relationship with him. That's our life with Christ. That's the wonderful thing here. That's the wonderful thing. So let's go on. So now when you understand that, that carries with it a responsibility. This carries with it a responsibility to share it with others. That's what he's saying here. In verse 28, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every person all wisdom that they may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. This comes with a responsibility. What is it? Well, okay, I think we can all relate to this, right? So remember when you were dating your sweetie? When you first met your sweetie and, and your whole life revolved around your sweetie and, and, and you were like uh, calling them all the time and, and, uh, you, and remember you wanted everybody, maybe you didn't, but I did, I wanted everybody to meet Lori. So whenever I'm with the guys, I'm talking about Lori, I would drive them nuts. They want to talk about football, I'm talking about Lori. Can you relate to that? It's the same thing. Now, when you understand what has happened through salvation, that you've entered into a meaningful relationship with the living God who interacts with you day by day, you want to tell others about him. You want others to know you're Jesus. See, that's the responsibility. It carries with it a responsibility to tell others about this mystery. Because let's be honest. Would you agree that the anxiety level in our society right now is pretty high? Would you agree with that? People are concerned. They're concerned about this thing or the pandemic and all of this other stuff and they're concerned about jobs they're concerned about family issues and relationship issues and they're struggling and one of the things i've noticed in the reports is is they're talking about mental health issues with people because they're struggling knowing how to cope and how to deal with this that we're going through right now as a society we've never been in this place before and so here we have people who are needing something for them to hold on to. And you and I know who it is. It's not a moral code. It's Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's the living God who will change their lives. In fact, that's what happens here. If you look, really, the next thing he says there is that so that others can be presented perfect in Christ. It's so that every, we share about Jesus so that they can be perfected. And we understand that, right? 
Well, you know, you perfect them by telling them what they should and shouldn't do. No, no, you perfect them by bringing them to Jesus, and he and his time, what? Changes them. And I think we already know that, right? Okay, so this is 2021. I came to Christ in 1985. I'm going to tell you right now, just here in the last six weeks, God has been exposing things to me in the last six weeks about my attitudes, about how I come across, about different things about that I really didn't even pay attention to in 1985. And would have been blown away by it and walked away. Are you kidding me? I've got to change that? Are you ridiculous? No, but right now, God's dealing with me personally about some things in my life because I'm not perfect. And to be honest with you, when 1985, he was dealing with the drinking and the smoking. That was a heck of a lot easier than the stuff that he's dealing with me right now about. Because he wants to present me what? Perfect. And can I be honest with you? Can I do that? No. In fact, Jesus said that, didn't he? For without me, you can do nothing. Our world needs Jesus. Your loved ones need Jesus. Are you willing to pay that price? But I guess before we can pay that price, we have to embrace the relationship that's already there for us. Life is more than your goals. It's the relationship with Jesus. So that, I guess that brings me to my conclusion, which is what I've been sharing over the last few weeks with you guys. Here's the final point I'm making. You have to decide to get serious about your relationship with Jesus. You have to decide. Does everyone understand relationships are a two-way thing? I mean, have you ever been in a relationship where there's only one person working on it, the other person doesn't care? That doesn't last, does it? Relationships are work, and that is very much true in your relationship with God. God is doing whatever for you. But it's time for you and I to get what? Serious about him. And can I tell you how you get serious? It's not a moral code. You talk to him. You just spend time with him. You get to know him. It's kind of crazy that we have to tell Christians to get to know God. But that's where a lot of people are at, isn't it? We've got to get to know him. And then once you get to know him, he starts working on you about, you know, that doesn't fit with you. It's kind of like I remember dating Lori. When I first started dating Lori, I don't know why what Lori saw in me. She probably doesn't know either now anymore. But when I was dating her, I mean, I had no, no clothing taste whatsoever. So I was wearing a plaid shirt with a striped tie. 
So when I was first met her, she didn't say anything to me about it. But after we got to know each other, she kind of quietly said to me, that doesn't go together. Don't do that again. And I haven't. Listen, that's what God does. You get to know him. And then in that still small voice, he quietly says to you, your attitude with that person stank. Your habit here is not good. You need to change this. I'll help you. But see, it starts right there. You've got to start talking to them. You've got to get serious. i got to get serious. And that's the reality. I hope you and I would start doing that. Let's pray.